Hello, humans. Dan Bublitz Jr. here to tell you about my podcast, The Art of Bombing. If you're a fan of comedy and you enjoy listening to comedians' worst bombs, then you need to check out The Art of Bombing podcast as I sit down with comedians from across the world of all levels and hear about their worst bombs on stage and to find out what they learn from them to get better to find success through failure. Available every Tuesday wherever you listen to podcasts or at artofbombingpod.com. I'm Kim Duke, and I'm married to an addict alcoholic. Hi, Kim. Uh, my name's Chris, and I am an addict alcoholic. Hi, Chris. Um, we haven't recorded, actually, in two weeks. The two of us together? Yeah, because I did that addict-to-addict thing with, with James. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we, I, we said this last time. It's, it's way more enjoyable to record with each other. Mm-hmm. I always leave still breathing. Maybe it's just you You take my breath away. Because when I was recording with Alex, breathing was just fine. I make you nervous. Yeah. So obviously that means I am not attracted to Alex. Sorry. Dang it. Okay. Well, it's uh, been a terrifying week. It's actually, I think it has been a week, right? Since uh, George Floyd was murdered. Well, a little over a week. Oh yeah. A little over a week. You're right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm lucky in the like being in the place that I'm at right now because if I was by myself and you have the coronavirus plus the entire world is like has your state under a microscope that like the anxiety of you know trying to stay sober with what look what appears to be the world falling apart yeah um it's got to be super super fucking difficult for for folks i wonder how people are doing in treatment facilities right now with all this going on too yeah it's it's a double-edged sword because on one end it's a distraction right from the the thing that that brought you there um but it's also a distraction from the thing that brought you there so you're you're not focusing on how to improve that aspect of yourself yeah that's very uh very interesting um I, w- I would say I've also noticed that like my addictive personality has like kind of really started glowing uh over the last two weeks like the like amount of food that I'm eating is insane the amount of I well, I guess I've always drank a shit ton of liquids, regardless of. I think you've been drinking a lot more though, like you water. Think so? Oh, for oh, water, sure. yeah. yeah. See, that's the thing with cans—you can throw it away right away. Mm-hmm. But when I fill up these uh, these big fucking mason jars, it's right in your face. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with that, with picking smoking back up, I had uh, however long I lasted outside of treatment, and then. I can't remember. Oh, it was when I, they had me go back in the warehouse and I just had like time to kill. Basically, I just started smoking again. I've never had a problem quitting smoking. It's always been super easy. I just stopped doing it. But for some reason I have like this, I don't know. I mean, it is fucking nicotine and a psychotic amount of chemicals that fuck with your brain. 
I think it's you now you've replaced an addictive thing with another addictive thing. Like you've just been replacing things yeah. since treatment. Like the alcohol is gone, which is great, but now you replace it with eating yep. and smoking cigarettes and yeah. yeah. So working on that addictive part of your personality a little bit. Yeah. Which is interesting to like to know that about, and I was just thinking about this today, how people who smoke cigarettes are like constantly saying that they're, they're quitting or that they know the thing that they're doing is bad for them, but they keep doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. It's almost like this weirdly accepted aspect of like, everyone seems to understand how tight of a grip to uh, smoking cigarettes can have on you. Mm -hmm. And because it seems so hard, everybody just kind of accepts when somebody's like, yeah, I know I got to stop, but you know, yeah. And they don't. And I think because like another thing is uh, when you smoke cigarettes, you can still drive. You can still do all of the normal things that yeah, you yeah. do. It, so it, it doesn't necessarily inhibit you. Sometimes it makes me like a little dizzy, but for the most part, there's no outward like side effects. Yeah. I just thought that was interesting. That is very interesting. People. Uh, and when I was learning about, um, substance use and uh, addictions I learned that you should quit everything at once and I know a lot of people use it like well I'm quitting can I have my one vice can I have my yeah. one thing it's like no if you're gonna quit something you should quit it all yeah I yeah. people say that all the time <laughs> the the concept that you have to have something so, like people say like nobody's perfect just because nobody's perfect doesn't mean you have to accept a shitty aspect of yourself yeah like it doesn't not being perfect is just inherent. It's an objective truth. Anyways, you are not perfect because you live and you die. That's yeah. that's, those are two for sure things. And therefore, even if those were the only things that you saw that were imperfect about yourself, let those be the two things. It doesn't have, you don't have to have a vice. Although, you know, candy bars and shit like that. Just as fucking bad. Yeah. People don't think that it's as bad, but it's bad. candy makes teeth fall out. It can cause, cause diabetes. Causes thousands of dollars of damage inside your own mouth. That can lead to heart issues. That can lead to blood pressure issues. Issues. It's just a cycle. Yeah. The older yeah. you get, you start to like really realize how fragile your not just physical state but like mental state too on top of this stuff because yeah. you do feel like you have to say ah whatever man fuck it i'm gonna eat this whole bag of hershey's kisses or i'm gonna smoke this whole pack of cigarettes like it's these onesie twosie things that can really kind of spiral out of control and unfortunately for me it's fucking two of them it's yeah. goddamn was it last night or the night before where like i ate to the point where like my stomach actually hurt but i think I it was still the couldn't night before. Stop. yeah still couldn't stop eating it's i think the thing though is you were drinking all night long you're drinking and drinking and drinking until you would fall asleep alcohol which would fill you water's not filling you wow now you're taking a different substance that's gonna make you feel full and you keep going that's very interesting I did do a, like a lot of the time I would drink until I knew I was done and yeah. then be done. Yeah. And there's no like 
there's no actual done like you could eat until you start throwing up yeah but you that's what you're doing now and it's not you know where you that's you're drinking a lot of fluids but you're going to the bathroom a lot with you know right. yeah wow that's I don't know, very something to think about yeah i i think that's uh i think the smoking point. started because like you said you were working in the warehouse and you've always been able to just quit it right but now all of a sudden this part of your you know addictive personality is not getting censored all the time so it's like well let's kind of take this sure. over and give them something to desire that's a substance yeah 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 and it's weird too because like there would be like people use drinking as an excuse to have a cigarette sometimes it, i turned down cigarettes all the time when i was drinking yeah i don't know it's very interesting or it's a i think addiction is a constant learning about yourself forever even when you're in recovery and sober you're still learning things about yourself forever but yeah uh the other thing that i was going to say was i think that i've like figured out some type of recipe for staying sober. And these two little things that seem to like kind of have a hold of me, it reminds me that I don't think you're ever done being like being in recovery. Mm -hmm. Like you're in recovery for forever because when you let your guard down and I think kind of like those, those vices that continue to go out uh, throughout your life, um, play into the fact that it you're just slowly letting your guard down and you could potentially um let one thing encompass you or go back to the thing that uh made you realize you were an addict yeah it's trying to maybe replace it with something healthier that's not a food item walking but then you gotta watch that because people can get addicted to exercise or they get that a rush when they work out and then they constantly thrive for that too yeah it's life man you're constantly battling not becoming addicted to something for sure yeah we should talk well our i think the last time we were together we talked about i think it my gosh that was with jackie okay the time before that i think we talked about mental health month may right which was over and it ended very rough for everyone's mental health Yeah, yeah absolutely this year it's very difficult. So from a uh, mental health standpoint, with everything that's going on, what advice do you give to people that you, they basically wake up every morning and the worst case scenario seems to be playing out in, in some regard? Whether, whether you agree with what's going on with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement or not, you're, whatever side of the aisle you're on, something very extreme is happening. Yeah. I think one thing though is, and I try and do this throughout the day because my anxiety and my depression has been so bad the last month, maybe probably the last month is I look around and I think in my head things I'm thankful for. Thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful I have a house. I'm thankful I have a healthy family. And so I always constantly, I'm got to say things I'm grateful for and just look around because everything else it feels like outside your walls of your home or wherever you reside, everything's falling apart. Sure. And then you can feel like you're falling apart inside. So I just like today when I was feeling really anxious and overwhelmed, it's like, okay, yeah, but I have all these great things. So I'm just going to be thankful for these things in the moment and kind of puts your head back into where you are and doing some mindfulness things too, looking around. What, what do you see? What do you feel? What do you smell? 
kind of bringing you back to that. And just, I mean, I think a lot of times too is when things feel out of control for us and people like me that feel like I need to have control of something and when things are going on in the world, I can't control. It makes me feel very overwhelmed and anxious and sad. There's nothing I can do to change what's going on. Well, I mean, there's things we can do, but I can't change the events that are happening. I can't, I can't personally just by myself decrease the number of COVID cases. I can't myself, uh, you know, change what COVID's doing to some people, you know, I can't change the way people, you know, we're not following the rules, you know, whatever else. I can't change what's happening with people looting and rioting and, you know, peaceful protests being looked over. And, you know, the main point of what's going on is, you know, my, oh, I thought you were pointing. Oh, I thought you were pointing at the mic down. No, (laughs) but I feel like, you know, I can't control these things and it makes me feel very, very overwhelmed. And you read about it. You're constantly reading about it on social media and then you feel lost. I, what can I do? Yeah, I can donate money. Absolutely. And that helps. I'm not saying it doesn't help, but when you physically want to help, like I want to stop everything. Right. You want there to be a direct, not like instant gratification, but you want to know that what you did had an impact. Yeah. Yeah. And when you play that uh, out mentally and you can't see any way that what you you're able to put forth has any kind of impact it's very uh very tough to get through yeah. but i was gonna say it's tough when when people say like you know count four things in the room or count the four sides of a frame and just list things that you're thankful for they sound so trivial that people who have been put in really shitty situations mental health wise feels like what that's not going to work. Yeah. You, you, you're shutting it down before you even give it a shot. Um, but like when I exercise, really I have a can. bad back. And so I have to, I do this thing where like I kind of lift my hands up and down like this. And I say, I am strong. I am balanced. I am strong. I am balanced. And whether or not that actually changes me in any real physical way, it doesn't matter because my mental state is that of which to say, I believe it in that moment and I'm able to power through whatever it is that I need to do. It's all mental. Yeah. And so it's not so much that you're doing this cheesy act of saying it out loud to like a group of people at Thanksgiving, like you're doing this just for yourself Mm -hmm. and sometimes saying it out loud changes the composition of your mind and allows you to just assess the situation. You release something. I, um, my friend sent me this thing today. That's what I was looking up this video. And it's just this lady saying you're worth it. And like gets you back in that mindset. Like regardless of what's happening right now, you're worth it. You're worth it as a person. And it was really good. It was a really great video, a couple minutes long, just going into why, as a person, we are worth it. We're worth being here. We're worth the value that we give other people. Stuff like that. It was like, oh, yeah. that was a really good video. So, we we had a, a pretty positive experience with a company called Clean Cause. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Oh my goodness. Um, the we yerba. Used- I've never drank yerba mate before. I had no intent to ever drink a yerba mate. Yeah. 
but you know when someone has a good cause i like to support it i'll try it yeah and holy crap they're really yeah. good we thought that it we had associated uh mate with uh dirt, dirt because yeah. my brother drinks the shit raw straight and it's straight disgusting. Mate. yeah but he um because your mom bought uh a case of it oh. and yeah your brother and his wife both loved it they ordered yeah. some yeah everyone was like this stuff is really good that's awesome and it's even better because 50 percent of their profits go towards like actually getting people through the financial yeah. aspect of of treatment because it's super so fucking expensive. expensive yeah i can't imagine like i saw your bill from when you were in treatment and Fortunately, but unfortunately, unfortunately, but fortunately, you were hospitalized before, so we hit our deductible, and mm -hmm. thankfully, we have insurance and pretty right. good insurance. I mean, it's not cheap, but I, it's you know, I work for it, and it covered your stay. And I can't imagine people like I can see why people deter away from going to treatment if they can't afford it. it it's expensive. Yeah, and I was there with three people that were paying out of pocket, which blows my mind. So I mean, good for them. Crazy. They probably want the best treatment they can get yeah. for what they think, but to pay that out of pocket, I can't even yeah. imagine. I know that they places have scholarships and grants and all that kind of right. stuff, but, but I mean, it, it's it doesn't, not the you same. Don't, you don't always get approved in time. It's a time crunch too, because you're hoping that these things will come into play and there will be enough money in that allowance for them to be able to cover your scholarship yeah. while at the same time, your insurance holding off long enough for you to get that thing. Yeah. Just to give people perspective, so uh, Clean Cause has donated a little over $600,000 to wow. uh, people who, who are seeking recovery. My stay would have been... $37,000. $37,000. For 26 days. That would take out a pretty significant chunk of that $600,000. So it just speaks to like how important that shit is at least that i think it's super fucking important because i mean i think my thing to this is the instant gratification i'm donating to good cause but i get something also oh from sure it. it's true though, i get what you but, mean but i know by purchasing this it's an item that I, it's delicious but then it's also going to help other people people can uh use our promo code too we're not getting paid off. by these guys not getting paid um but they, i just want to they help did people. offer to uh to give people a discount, uh, which all you, it's the acronym of the show, which is TNSAA. It's the acronym for the not so anonymous alcoholic. Um, and then you get 20% off, which takes a big chunk out. Yeah. yeah. And we, we, me and your brother are so funny because we sat down and calculated like, is it, you know, similar to if you bought a Yerba Mate at the gas station? It's actually cheaper, I think, by purchasing it through this company and it's going to a good cause. Yeah. And you get a pig pack, you yeah. know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Very cool. Um, how are you doing? Oh, no. Doing okay? Uh, well, I know that I've, for the past week, I've been saying I want to talk about something that's been heavy on my heart and my mind. And I haven't, you know, I keep deterring away from it and making up excuses not to do the podcast because it's hard. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm not going to out that family member. I'm not going to say who it is, but... You know, I'm, I have great feeling that this family member may be consuming alcohol again and it's affecting me 
probably worse this time than it did in the beginning. I think every time it gets harder and harder. Yeah. It's again, that loss of control. I can't do anything to change that person. Um, cause there's things with tough, tough love. Like I can be like, that's fine. I just won't have a relationship with you, but that's not realistic. Right. And, um, well, and from what we've learned, you don't, if, if you truly are in active addiction, it doesn't matter yeah. what ultimatum is thrown your way. Um, in the right circumstances that that individual will not necessarily outwardly turn down anything, um, but just try harder to hide it mm-hmm. and see yeah. more present. Which that's hard too, because yeah. then you don't know what's going on. And that happened for, I'm trying to think about how long it's been. Maybe six, five, six years now that this has been going on. And it's just like in the beginning, you know, I talked about it before in an earlier podcast about how we didn't know that was going on with this particular person. And then you think they do, they're doing well. And I hear from that person more often in healthy ways. Like you can, like when you have telephone conversations, you can understand what they're saying and then they just kind of fall off. Yeah. And then these weird texts start coming in where you can't understand what they're saying and the phone calls and then you almost try to call them out on it. Like at this time around, I try to say, I don't feel like you're being truthful with me with what's going on. Cause this person was very, very ill. And in my head, it's like they either got COVID, which there's some symptoms there that could be, or you're going through alcohol withdrawals again, which if you look up alcohol withdrawals, there's also similar features into oh, yeah. feeling sick, all these kinds Flu-like of things. Like symptoms. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, at that point, I just said, "You're not." I don't feel like you're being honest with me. And then the conversation ended there, and we have not honest in regard to their use or just in with general. What's going on with that person? Okay. I just said, you know, this person's been sick, and I said, you, I would really like if you go get tested um, for COVID because there's tests out there. And they're asking. I mean, the governor even said, "Come get tested." You know, there's tests available if you feel like. Sure. And this person also has been not working because of being sick. Well, then I just said, you know, go get tested. And then eventually I just said, I just don't feel like you're being truthful with me with what's going on. Because I just, in my gut, feel it. that That's what's going on. And then, you know, then you kind of second guess yourself because you want to think the best of that person and hope that that's not going on, you know, what's going on. But then like you hear other things like, oh, their memory's starting to get bad again and they're doing this and they're forgetful and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, that's the same thing that has happened before. And it sucks not being able to fix it. Yeah. It's, yeah. And we've said before that it's not anybody's job to fix that person or to, to make them realize their addiction, but it's hard when it's family. Yeah. Because you're not supposed to turn family away. You're not supposed to shut them out. And uh, especially when you know that, especially for that individual, the more isolation, the, the worse they, they tend get. to get. Yeah. Um, so that's hard to like process as a family because it's important, you know, that it's, it's not just you dealing with this. It's yeah. all of us. Yeah. And what's hard is too, like when it first happened, I mean, when it, it was coming on for a while that we didn't know that this person was consuming alcohol their personality changed significantly in the beginning you know in the beginning not so much but throughout time and now it's been like i said i think five six years well i wonder because they had 
dabbled in was it opiates and benzos? Uh, n- not benzos, but opiates, opiates for migraines and stuff. And like that. that individual was very close to an area where those types of things are available. Things are available, yeah. and for cheaper. Yeah. Um. So it may be that they took a route where if they can't smell it on me, then they, you know, if they can't find liquor bottles then i'll be safe i'll you know and it'll be fine yeah plus with going to work it's a brave move if you are in active addiction because they can smell it unless or then if you're not drinking the fact that you can withdraw while you're at work and get really sick yeah so i don't know i've been thinking a lot over the past week and that person that I knew five years ago, like I had hoped that that person would come back. Not and not like physically, but the person that they were and the personality they had. That person was always so fun to be around, and I was so excited for my children to get to know the person I knew growing up. And that person, like every year and every month or and every day and every hour that this goes by, that person's not coming back. And it's you almost mourn that that person's not going to be back. Yeah, I mourn is the exact right word. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I was in the hospital, like I had never thought of mourning. I was always, I had always associated it with death. Um, I didn't realize that to mourn, um, is the loss of anything Yeah. or the feeling of you're going to lose something you, that mourning feeling, um, and I mean, it's partially anxiety too, right? Cause you're, you know, fearing the worst. Yeah. Especially when you know the effects of this person had such severe alcohol withdrawals, they had to be hospitalized that it's like at any point if this person's using and they're going through active withdrawals, they could die at home and I wouldn't even know. And then the person lies if they are using. So it's not like I could yeah. be like, I'm concerned you're going to withdraw. Let's detox healthily. You know, let's go to a detox center, get you through the yeah. de- withdrawals. And then let's start again. But that, per, you know, when that person's also not honest, you, there's can't force someone to a detox center. if You don't, yeah. you know, that reminds me like part of the reason why addiction gets so much worse for people is um, at least like I would say your average person, your average addict. Yeah. Uh, is that the shame that's associated with admitting that you have that problem? Um, because. It, it, if you lie the one time, then every time you lie after that is just you feel worse and worse and worse about who you are as a human being. And if it, so it just becomes more difficult to admit to that and to, to ask for help. Yeah. So I, it, I'd kind of forgotten about that, like the role that, that shame plays in yeah. people aren't like people who aren't, typically liars and and you know you create your own reality yeah you're you will you're you're also putting shame on yourself that might not have existed to the degree with which you think it is yeah um if you did just see that's why like i'm glad that like i'm asking for help with quitting smoking cigarettes too is like the more that i just yeah, the sh- like shame is an awful yeah, thing. Yeah, sh- well, and guilt. I'm saying shame instead of secrets because secrets are only there because of shame. 
of some type of shame when people start to, to keep secrets like that. And I'm already ashamed of what I look like <laughs> anyways. So I don't need to add on the, you know, the, the fact that I'm trying to get away with some, some bullshit that I don't actually need. Yeah. And it, but that's such a hard place to get to. It is. And that the person, that person also isn't very open to any sort of treatment, which is hard because you went yeah. through a pretty intensive treatment where you've learned a lot in this person and it's always excuses why they would drink too when they would talk yeah. to me. Well, this person said this to me and it upset me. And when they're not open to any type of, you know, other healthier coping skills to deal with events that happen, like this yeah. person was upsetting to me. So I just walked on my treadmill and got, you know, dealt with it that way or read a book. Sure. This person resorts to a substance, unfortunately. Well, I think, um, I'm trying to think of how to say this. When you grow accustomed to having something as an excuse, Alex and I were actually just talking about this. You walked in while we were recording one of the episodes and uh, I jokingly said, that was my bitch of a wife. And, but then we started talking about people who do that all the time, who are constantly complaining about their spouse. But the second that you say, why are you, why are you guys together then? Are you sure like it's healthy? They snuff that out so quickly. Like you begin to accept this as your environment and you want to be able to complain about it, but any like um, resolutions that people come up with, they don't, they don't want to accept it because they've known this stuff for so long. And unfortunately that person also grew up and saw that with their, you know, their parental figures where they were out using, you know, out drinking all the time. This person had raised themselves to who they are now. And then as an adult, you deal with things that you don't know how to deal with. Well, growing up, you didn't, you didn't learn effective, healthy coping skills. You only saw poor coping skills. And then by the time you started becoming an adult, you had children and your focus was on children until eventually your children get older and move out. And then now you have to focus on yourself. And then the, you know, 30 plus years of shit you went through that you haven't dealt with. Yeah. I was just going to say that the trauma trend of that individual having to be around somebody that was associated with that trauma their entire life always is so fucked up yeah yep yep and then um even now as an adult their parental figures well parental parental figure consumes uses alcohol you know in front of this person when this person was in the hospital was so in such denial that that was what was going on with this person when I had, we can say their mom. Yeah. So their mom, I had to clearly say, this is what's going on with this person. They went through alcohol withdrawals. No, I think it's the blood pressure. No, I think it's this making excuses when there's doctors saying, no, this is what is going on. Yeah. And that person now even, you know, and that's what was my concern is that this person was traveling with this, you know, their parent. Yeah. And, I'm sure during that traveling, that's when it started. And now here, I mean, even maybe before. Think about that too. Like they've never known 
either someone that was um, a family member or a love interest that didn't create some type of trauma and then force them to just kind of get over it. Mm -hmm. You need to get over it because we need to do this now. You need to get over it because um, that person's going to be a part of your life, whether you like it or not. Like a lot of having to just get over shit, um, I think sets you up to just accept really awful things in your life. And I feel like, the more I work in mental health and the more I work with people who are chemically dependent, I just strongly think it's a dual diagnosis. You're going to have co-occurring. You're, sure. I don't think people, I mean, there are going to be people that just develop an addiction because they feel like it. You know, yeah. they just like, they like that substance or they like the yeah, lifestyle. For sure. But I feel like there's a much higher percentage of people that use because they're either di- dealing with something, they don't want to deal with stuff in their life. Yep. Um, uh, they have schizophrenia or they have a severe mental illness and they use to c- cover up those symptoms of their mental illness so they don't have to deal with it during that time. Like, I just feel like there's so much more of that. And it, with this person, I feel like a lot of it was trauma as a child growing up even into adulthood that hasn't been dealt with. And when you drink, you don't feel anything. You just pass out. Right. And that's what that person uses it for is to just drink till they pass out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the, uh, the people who, um, had like PTSD. Did you, um, did you notice that in treatment? A lot of people had some type of mental health um, diagnoses too. Yeah. Most of them didn't seem to realize it themselves. It's one of those things where like, you don't, uh, you don't grasp how fucked up your situation was until you say it out loud to somebody else. And you can, I, I, I think I'm unique in that uh, for the last two and a half years, I've been reading the room. So like gauging, uh, well, actually longer than that, like three years now. But I mean that from like a stand-up point, you, when you say something, you can see the reaction and you can feel it in the air. And so I was very like hyper aware of kind of where the I hate saying the vibe of the room but like would change when somebody would say something terrifying and then they would go well you know that was just dad though you know and move on and like they they wanted to quickly get to why they thought they were an addict rather than these fucked up things that had happened they don't think that it has anything to do with yeah yeah the actual addiction that they're dealing with they're like oh you know I just was out with the guys so often and and then Terry left and you know and I was kind of just drinking by myself and here I am it's like all of the gnarly shit there was a lot of PTSD there were quite a few um bipolar individuals um and definitely just massive amounts of depression yeah yeah which is unfortunate because alcohol is a depressant, so a yeah. lot of people. Well, well, that was another thing that somebody um, kind of brought to our attention was you're you're in you're you're still coming off of a really depressive state because you had been applying downers basically mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. so long, and then 
it's stripped away from you. So you're mourning the loss of your mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. even though it was keeping you down. Yeah. So there's like just this really, yeah. it takes yeah. a while for that, like that light to kind of come in in any sense. Yeah. And you saw, you saw people, you know, obviously come out of their shells and have uh, a better outlook on, on their treatment plan. Yeah. Yeah. As they say. Um, but yeah, I, I would say I can't think of anybody that I met in there that didn't have some kind of underlying either trauma or, um, yeah, underlying issue. I think lately too, I've noticed this in myself as I've been so anxious lately to the point where I can feel my heart pounding on my chest and that I would have that occasionally, but it's been like every other day where I can feel it. And in my head I go, man, it'd be really nice if I had a cold beer right now, it'd calm all of that down. And it's like, no, that's where it starts. Sure. Like that would, that's where it would start with me right now. Cause of the state I'm in. If, oh, okay. you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, now it's happening every other day. If I start by, oh, I'm going to just have a drink. It's going to be like, okay, now it's going to be like every day. I'm, oh, I feel sure. my heart racing. And I can see that. I like, I can, if I could look in the future, I'm like, if I, you know, if I was consuming alcohol at this point and I started doing that, I'd be like, oh, I'd be drinking every day. Yeah. Well, and like not to alienate anybody who's listening, but that only has as much weight as you give it. So yeah. if you associate, um, alcohol with um, fixing something, then you're just going to keep feeding that yeah, beast, yeah. and it's which I feel like is a lot grow. with this person. Um, I think one. Oh, oh, sorry. No, you go. Ahead. I was going to say like just if you're associating having a drink means I'm at a place where I don't have any responsibilities at the moment. I'm going to sit down and just take a mental break. That's a different thing. Yeah. So I'm saying like in the state I am yeah. m- emotionally, I think when I, so I've been very emotional with this issue with this family member for the past couple of weeks, like really bad to the point where it's like, I've been driving and crying because yeah. it's like, and I think the thing that's the hardest is I have two worlds of it where I have a loved one who went to treatment and came out and is doing really well. Doing okay. Well, you're doing okay. We got to get rid of the food and the cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. But then um, I have this other family member who is still just digging a hole, digging a hole, digging a hole. And I've gotten to the point where in my head where I'm like, this this is what's going to take this person's life, I'm sure. Yeah. That's the other shitty thing is. is <sighs> Yeah. So it's like, it's hard because I get so angry. Like, oh, it works. Treatment works. If you want it, if you can be honest about it and you go and you want the help, any type of, I'm not saying inpatient has to be it, but outpatient, anything. It can work if you want it to work and if you want to get help. Right. But this person doesn't want help and doesn't admit to their use. Sure. And it's like, and you can, you can say it how many times that it's going to kill you and that person doesn't care and that I get angry because it's like, you don't care that eventually I'm going to lose you to this. A substance, a fucking substance. It makes me so mad that that has so much control over people and yeah i was gonna say you gotta it's so hard not to though right um i was talking with another friend about how um when i when i had my back issues even though there was nothing i could do about it people helping you helping 
everybody doing all these things, you cannot help but have some form of resentment to the situation. It doesn't mean that you fully resent that person, but you can't help but start to ask those questions like, you don't think you could handle even this one thing? <sighs> I'm, that's fine, but it just sucks, you know? Yeah. And you like when you start to allow yourself to do that shit, I mean, you're just going to feel more and more like they should know better. I know. And I'm trying not to get to that point. That's why I'm doing It's super fucking hard, though. It is. It's so hard. And that's why I've been trying to do more. And I think that's what's causing a lot. I mean, obviously, what's going on in the world, too. But the depression and anxiety is like, that's why I've been doing a lot of the, okay. Oh, that sounds so shitty. But I had how many beautiful years with this person in my life. And I think back on those great, wonderful memories. Well, you're just you. What you're doing is saying, if the worst should happen, yeah. What what, no. what do what will I remember of this person? Yeah, and that's what you're saying is yeah. you're going to remember these. So I think things. back, and it's like it just sucks because that person I knew so long ago, my kids will never know unless that person gets the help they need, and it's never going to happen, unfortunately. And that's just hard. I think. It requires a a group effort and not in the in the way that we are kind of used to, which is um, the uh, do you do you want to break for a second? No, I'm fine. OK. Um, just as it pertains to this family dynamic, not our family dynamic, but that family dynamic, there's a lot of that's over there and we only see it on the holidays. Yeah. Like we deal with it in little spurts because we have to, but otherwise we only have to deal with it as much as we get involved. So the less that you're involved, the more that shit just kind of has room to, to have happen. Um, and that's why like a, a few days ago I had said, does that person need to move in with us? Cause part of the part of the plan for any treatment facility is to remove you from the environment with which you were using it. And it does for in some cases it, it doesn't matter how loving of a family. Um, and in the, the best cases you're removing them from a real shithole of an environment. Yeah. Um, it can go either way but you have to remove that person from that environment. And then that person is allowed the room to start to dissect how they got there. And if, if you start to sense that in any degree, like when I was in the hospital, I started to sense that in some degree, right? Um, Didn't want to admit that I was an addict yet, but because I was in there and all I had was time to just think, then I had to confront that in some degree. So it doesn't always have to be a hospital stay for somebody. For some people it's just, I'm going to go stay with a family member. I'm an adult though. Yeah. Why would I need to go stay with a family member? Why would my other family members encourage that I do that? You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not saying that that person has to move in with us, but but it, it does require the family as a unit to do something that they're uncomfortable with yeah 
I yeah. think. It doesn't have to be I an think intervention. The Sorry, mom, real also, quick. I think what's hard too with that whole family dynamic is there's a lot of denial and they'd rather be in people in that dynamic would rather be in denial about it because that's how they would rather deal with it than deal with the situation. I'd say it's more uh, negligence. Yeah. Like I hate to say it that way, but no, you, all of those family members are actually very aware of the majority of the situations that are going down. It's like you get one shot and then after that, People just say, all right, well, they refuse to get better. So, yeah, I think, or they refuse to change their situation. Yeah. So, I think and, one big thing too is this person before when it all started talking about like treatment options and doing therapy and outpatient stuff and all that, a lot of it was financial concerns. How would I pay for that? I can't take time off of work and sure. go to treatment. I can't take time off and do outpatient therapy and all that. Right. And that's why, because they don't feel supported from. The other person yeah. in their life. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. That's why when you were going through your treatment and we had these talks a lot too, when you were, you know, when you had to be off work and doing your thing and all that, it's like, I would rather you be healthy and we have lower income and we'll figure it out. than you coming back home, continuing the cycle and not getting better. Sure. But that, and, and I just wanted my mentality to be opposite than the other person that's in a, you know, a spouse of this other person. I didn't want to think that way. I wanted, you know. Well, I, I think that just came naturally. Of course, somebody else, like somebody that I love, their well-being is more important than a financial gain. Like than them roughing it out and figuring it out on their own so that we can maintain to have a steady stream of, of money coming in. And I think that's kind of been bred into you guys is like the impending doom of having no money is very real on, on that side of the family. Like that concept seemed to, um, kind of plague you guys or that side of the fuck. Let me try that again. <laughs> Cause I'm trying it's to yeah, keep it. Whatever. Man. Yeah that do you get what i'm trying to say yeah, like yeah. you guys were were told time and time again like how how are you going to afford anything how are you going to have a car how are you going to how are you going to have any any of these material things that you have to have how are you going to have any of those things what does it matter you know if you have a a, a kid you're still going to have to put in all of those hours like it just seemed like very early on and i've seen to a degree all of you guys deal with that in some way whether it means that i i need help getting money i need i need to have that money so somebody has to give it to me or somebody just feeling like they're never gonna have that money and so they just kind of accept their position in that way. And things have changed for that individual, but like just every spectrum of like what money means. Yeah. I can only imagine that it had to have been 10 times worse for the family member that we're talking about because whatever fear the other person has in regards to having income for their family, um, had to like 
it it's tapered off as that person got older, right? Yeah. It's not as bad. They're not saying all these really extreme things anymore. But back then, like when the idea of a family coming out of nowhere, I can't imagine what that other family member was submitted to. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. So yeah. So having that happen, the fear that comes with not being able to work and not being able to um, add to the, uh, or um, the fuck is the the word I'm looking for? Add. (laughs) Um, Contribute. Contribute. Thank you. Contribute to this, uh, you know, this dual income expectation. Um because if they're not bringing in money, the other person's not going to share. So them looking for help is that much scarier because yeah. all they've known is you're on your own as far as money is concerned. Which is yeah, it's crazy to think that. You and I are lucky in that way because like we've we had a shared account right away, like what's yours is mine, that concept was we like forced it on each other really quickly yeah. because we needed each other to survive. Maybe that's why we're so good at it now. <laughs> is <laughs> just kind of had that realization, like because I, I feel like it's very interesting when you see other family members. I really members. do feel like I need you to survive. I think like Fuck, that we've, we've developed we've done this, that. Yeah, is oh, that codependency? Yeah, we're no, all codependent. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. What I want to end my story on today, though, is if you have a family member, friend, or someone close to you that is struggling. Just be kind. Yeah. At the end of the day, be kind. Because I knew of this person's trauma. Unfortunately, my whole life I've heard of this trauma. And I it sucks to say I understand why they consume alcohol. I completely yeah. understand. Oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, understanding doesn't mean you endorse support it. it. Yeah. yeah. Or support it. Yeah. yeah. So I understand. And... I'm not, I'm not unkind to this person about it. I just, yeah. you know, when I said, I just want to know, I don't feel like you're being truthful with me. It wasn't like, yeah. I hate you. I'm not going to, I don't want a relationship with you. I actually reached out to this person today and said, how, how are you doing? And they responded. It's been weeks, but they responded and it wasn't even, we didn't even talk about obviously alcohol or anything like that, but ended our conversation with, I love you and I love you too. And I think you, you said something that I've been doing lately which is um i feel like i for my whole life i felt like i always have to give a really extreme scenario or i have to let somebody know how vulnerable i am really quick so that they feel safe in telling me whatever they need to tell me and like that they don't have to bottle all this shit up like it's just been the way that i am but i've learned that in doing that like by me having to give examples like having to say oh you know when i was drinking a bunch and when i was hiding drinking and and things like that it's more often than not that person is just going to give an example of a fucked up thing that they did and then i give a fucked up example and we just do this Mm -hmm. echo chamber that gets you nowhere yeah so what i found helps that you you said is when that person is sharing to just go that sucks to try and give like levity to how you're expressing uh like you want them to know that 
they have your full attention. It's more than just saying, I understand. It's I'm right now listening. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's all you need. Like that lady in the hospital just sitting there, not bombarding me with war stories, just listening. And and you could tell that she, it was not in a way to like, okay, so now let's get you to treatment. It was just, just being there, just being present for that individual makes a huge fucking yeah. difference. I know I'm going to end this cheesily, but... Well, person. I was going to say, I, I, well, I'm wait. glad we did this because we don't always feel like doing it. I know. It, I, the thing is, is I know I needed to do this because I've had a lot of, I'm going to cry again. I've had it heavy on my heart the last couple of weeks and it's been weighing on me. And I'm like, just talk about it, Kim, because someone out there might be feeling the same way that you are right now. And have that heaviness on their heart and they just need to let it out or hear someone else let it out. And it's hard because I don't give specifics. I apologize. But like I said, I think yeah. with people with addiction, if it's their story and they have not come out and wanted to discuss their story, we, I, it's you know appropriate to leave it as theirs. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's not our job to call someone an no. addict. Um, and... I mean, we we didn't even call that person an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. It's just that they're, they're, they struggle with some substance use. Yeah, that they inhibits they, their health. Yeah, it seems to affect their way of living currently. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's yep. all that you can say is as much as yeah. I didn't feel like doing the podcast. It's mainly because of that. But yeah, well, it's it's heavy, heavy stuff. Um, but I I, I like that we are like forcing ourselves to do this. Obviously we want to help other people, but it's keeping me alive. Yeah. This is one of my main life supports for sure. Oh shit. You know what? I was, we were supposed to read a question. Oh, we have a question. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll go to that. I had forgotten all about the question. Oh, and if people are wondering why I haven't been reading, uh, letters, uh, really the only one I have left is, um, this one from from a friend of ours and uh it's a it's a lengthy one so it'll have to be done when we do like separate recording okay. style um and i'm just going to dedicate another half hour to to that but um the family letters uh not every family member wrote a letter which is fine it was a well, and it was just it was it was just heavy for people yeah so they just it's not that they didn't want to. It just hurts to have to relive some of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, thanks for answering the questions that I sent in. Your answers helped me to realize that it's uh, best not to overwhelm my friends with pressure to get it together. Uh, I think it's better to offer my friends helpful suggestions when they open up, but not to go overboard. I want to make sure that the door is open when they're ready to make a change. That's really what we were just talking about, too. Question for Kim. Oh. <clears throat> Has life been better in uh, in any way that you didn't expect uh, since Chris stopped drinking? Have you missed alcohol more or less than you would expect or not at all? Uh, and how do you like uh, the new album by The Used? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, okay. Things that have been better. Um, definitely Chris has been more present. Um, 
I felt like before you'd come home with your case of uh, whatever you were drinking and come downstairs and just hide kind of a thing and just consume yourself with whatever was going on with whatever you were doing in your office. Um, so that has changed a lot. Um, your willingness to engage and do things around the house too. Not saying like, Oh, you're just a drunk, lazy piece when you were here, but like yeah. you're, you're just more aware of what's going on around you. Um, I feel like you're less angry too, mm-hmm. like in the way you approach even the kid. Not like you were angry and mean towards kids, but just with things you're just not as, you're not as tense. I noticed like when you were oh, drinking, weird. you were so tense all the time and just, it honestly felt like you looked like this all the time. And I feel like, I don't know if just cause you're not hiding your drinking and all that, but like a weight has been lifted and I feel like you like walk a little more smoothly through the house. And Oh, interesting. So I feel like that's changed too. Got to work on your sleeping. That's garbage sure. still, but. Um, yeah. uh, I think I'm just so happy to be awake. <laughs> yeah. You know, because there's, I feel like yeah. now there's so many possibilities for things. Yeah. That my mind just goes, fuck, sleep, dude. Yeah. Let's <laughs> create stuff. Um, Have you missed alcohol more or less? I'm neutral. I'm not really at all. You just said that. Well, I mean, like in moments like that where it's like, oh, if I just had a drink, I could probably calm myself down. But not like I miss it. I don't. I honestly like I think back to those stupid stories where you're like the next day, you're like, oh, I'm never going to drink again. I honestly Mm -hmm. don't miss feeling like that. Like when you work in a facility where you see people coming off alcohol and they feel like shit because they came in so intoxicated and they talk about how shitty they feel. I don't miss that at all. Um, And I feel like it's made me more present, too. I feel like. Like we've talked about this in previous podcasts, like towards the end of your drinking when it was really bad, it was more like you were kind of peer pressuring me. Mm. And so yeah. I felt like I had to drink and I felt like a weight, like, okay, we're going to have someone over to podcast and probably going to have to drink. Like I didn't like that. So I don't miss any of that at all. Sure. Um, The new album by The Used. It's good. It's different. Any, any anything you'd like to add about the? Um, I me and the kids were in the music video. Shut the fuck up! Yeah, what? stop! I know. My God! I know. We were in the music videos. That was pretty cool. You must have had House. an amazing director. Photo- oh, the photographer, the vid- videographer, I should say, mm. nailed it. Director. Director, videographer, writer, writer nailed it. Um, God, I'm just so. Smart. It's. I'm always going to love their first album more than anything. Nothing will ever be that first album, unfortunately. It's just an amazing album, but it's pretty good. I know that they're trying to do different things. And we're speaking about addiction, you know, Burt McCracken was significantly addicted in that first album. And his lyrics, you can hear it. And he talks about it in his lyrics. And now him being, you know, he doesn't drink. He's sober. Well, sober from alcohol, we should say. Yeah. Well, I think like, okay. So James and I, um, I know I tried listening to that podcast. You didn't like it. I just, I just, I have a different in my head. I have a different, and but I understand where he's coming from with his yeah. being sober. He's sober. Well, from, he's, he, the funny thing is he, he is one of those people that believes that you need to have some vice oh. uh, because, but from his perspective, it's not um, to, to say that, that whole, um, I don't know. It's like a kind of so a nihilistic his, view. His to thing say, is, is that opiates were the one that were was dampering his life and causing yeah. a na- negative thing in his life. 
So he's sober from that substance. Right. He uses other substances not in excess. Mm-hmm. He occasionally will drink and ma- use marijuana. He says not even very yeah. often. So, I mean, I get that. So, obviously, with Burt McCracken, he was using pretty hard drugs and yeah. alcohol. And it was significant. I mean, we saw him at that concert where he had a broken arm. He was so yeah. messed up. He, he looked so ill. But, he, I mean, he still actively talks about how he smokes marijuana. He has his own yeah. CBD oil with marijuana, THC in it. There are individuals where... Um, there are certain substances that bring them to like a different plane of consciousness that allows them to evaluate situations and, and better handle them. Whereas these other things were inhibiting their, that's a good word inhibiting. Yeah. 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 Their, their ability to deal with certain scenarios. So if anyone has any connection to Burt McCracken and he would like yeah. to call in and talk to us on that this podcast, that I think great. he would be a good person to talk to because he I, I struggled agree. for tens of years. Tweet him. Maybe I will tweet at Tweet him. Be like, hey, I was in the music vid. You should. <laughs> I kissed you on the cheek. I in kissed you on the cheek. 10. Smelled like meat and cheese. Oh, questions for you. Yeah, what do we got? You want me to read them to you? Sure. Is that why you handed it over? No, I handed it to you so you could see the questions. But Well, I'll read yours to okay. you. Um, do you feel like your addiction has inhibited your creativity or pr- productivity? Do, 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 wait. Do you do feel I, like your addiction has inhibited your creativity or productivity? Had? No. Has. Like, because some people are more creative when they're under the influence of something. Oh, I can create all right. this stuff. I guess maybe I misunderstood So. Do you feel like your addiction has inhibited your creativity? Do you feel like you're as creative and productive now as you were? Yeah, but that I'm now I'm nitpicking. Like, I I don't. So they're 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 saying has my sobriety inhibited? Because that no, it would be the opposite. Okay, that's fine. Because inhibited that means lack of. Yeah. Right? So. Oh, do you feel like your addiction has... Right. So what did you feel like your alcohol inhibited so, your... So age? currently it would be, does sobriety seem to have inhibited my creative process? I don't think so at all. I don't think so. Even a do little Do you feel bit. like you're accomplishing more without it? Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing you have moments where you irrationally feel drawn back to the bottle. How do you remind yourself that it isn't worth it? That's what's weird is I don't actually. You don't have the draw towards it? No. No. The couple of instances where I've had like a craving, super fleeting. In my dreams is where it seems like I can't fucking escape it, which is gnarly. Every night that I was in treatment, I had a dream about using. I Every single night was either like seeking out using and people like fighting me trying to get me to stop or like just every, every single dream, every single dream was about is someone allowing me to use or am I trying to figure out how to be able to use? Um, so I don't know if like subconsciously it's just laying low. And so I don't have like, that's the only reason why it happens in dreams. But this last dream, which I think was about a week ago, um, I think in the dream you had like okayed one drink. The weird thing is like, you know how um, in like a cartoon 
the like shadows on the wall of a crowd walking mm-hmm. towards right mm-hmm. those cascading shadows that the this feeling of like these cascading shadows from the the next room were coming in and we're gonna catch me drinking but every single room that i went into i knew where the booze was in that room which is fucking insane so i was just getting more and more inebriated with each room but there was this cascading shadow of of people constantly coming at me until i finally found a bathroom and i was able to lock myself in the bathroom and i jumped in the in the shower to hide more um and wear like like a hanging shampoo rack or shampoo shelf i don't know what else to call it um shelf in the shower instead of any cleaning cleaning that's a weird way of saying that hair product yeah any uh shower antibacterial (laughs) um but instead of any anything like that uh it was all alcohol and i mixed myself a drink in that shower um so when i have these dreams they're super super vivid intense but then in the morning it's kind of over with that i remember it but it's so i I haven't had like um a conscious craving well not 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 that but like just a really strong one the actual desire to put things in motion to be able to use I i haven't had that at all yeah um, but it's, I mean, yeah, cravings will be it for everything. I, I would imagine. Fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just want to end it with be kind to one another. It's a tough world out there right now. It's always been a tough world, honestly. Yeah. Um, but let's just remember, be kind to people. Someone's struggling, reach out. Um, if you have concerns about someone, just be there, be a friend, be present, just listen. Sometimes just listening to someone calling in saying, Hey, how are things going? Yeah. Just listen. Be there. Oh, you took a pause right when yeah. I was drinking. Um, <coughs> check out Clean Cause if you like your mama. Yeah, cleancause.com. Promo code TNSAA. Um, please uh, share these these episodes. Subscribe. Wait, one thing too with the Clean <coughs> Cause. By you purchasing that, you can potentially, you know that money goes to people that need to go or get help. And that could be the person that I'm struggling with right now. Yeah. One day, one extra day in treatment is one more, more day sober day. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> Keep going. Subscribe, like, um, follow, follow, share. We've got a new show that's going to be released here pretty soon. With that another way. comic. Yeah. Yeah, so if if you're if you're not wanting such heavy episodes, um, we, we need some we've got some again. some more laughs yeah. coming for you, and we're gonna try to do um, as you know rules uh, lighten up as far as COVID goes. Um, Other people just, in person yeah, doing have, this. Episode. Start having guests on and yeah, uh, with both Duck Duck Grey Duke, we have those those spoons that need to be eaten. They need to be eaten yeah. for our snack so segment. We'll get there. <clears throat> so yeah do all the things please duck duck gray duke on all the channels send questions if you have any questions yep. we duck, can keep duck, everything anonymous yep yeah if you want to be on if you want to call anonymous. in yeah we can detort det- 
distort distort there you go distort 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 your voice so people can't won't know who you are we won't say names so uh do you remember the thing and with this i shall pass no oh sorry (laughs) you do that every time that's so funny (laughs) what is it and with that we will pass and with that we will pass (laughs) okay i'll do it again and with that we will pass I'll leave them both of they're fine. Why don't you do it? No, you did a good job. Good job.